but uh, I feel I like know. we need to revisit this uh, immediately as soon as we hit record because that's that's some weird. I've right. seen a couple of UFOs in my day. So. Oh, cool. Well, we'll 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 talk about that though. I, I can't uh, I can't pass. I mean, up. if you want, either yeah. way. <laughs> I'm not gonna sleep tonight anyway. Whatever. <clears throat> <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. In this episode, I am joined by Brendan Cook. Brendan, how are you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. A uh, little spooked but uh, from our conversation offline, but let's just kind of roll right into it. So, um, first of all, what team, I guess, would you say you're currently known for? Uh, currently, I guess it's Rise. I think the word's gotten out enough. Oh, I think so after last week. Um, yeah. And before that, it was uh, Rainbows, right? Correct. Cool. So definitely want to um, get some just preliminary history with you. So um, I guess we'll start with just like, yeah, just the where you came from. So um, what is your number and why? Uh, 16, and it is my birthday. Um but it's always just kind of been a number that I liked. So it's kind of that, honestly. Simple enough. It's not your, it's not your birthday today, right? You just said... No. Okay. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Uh, Facebook didn't remind me. But um, cool. And you are from... Are you, where, whereabouts do you live? So I was actually born in Sacramento. Um, but I live up in like Portland, Vancouver area right now. Nice. And, um, man, I'm really trying hard not to go into the ghost UFO rabbit hole just yet. So just <laughs> bear with me with these quick preliminaries in case people have no idea who you are. Um, All good. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna go there probably right before the crowdsource questions, but man, I'm chomping at the bit. <laughs> so, um, what got you into dodgeball? So let's start from like the very beginning from like when you first played and, and how you got, uh, involved. Cause I got a pretty, pretty long history from what I can say, 2010, 11, 12 ish. So. Let's uh, start from yeah. the beginning. Um, so actually my first experience with dodgeball was really terrible. Um, it was in elementary school and it was during like recess and uh, it was 8.5 rubber. Everything was going smooth. I had been hit out, walking out towards the outline and someone just threw like a smoking ball and my hand was outreached and it just crossed right over my thumb. Yeah. I was like, oh, that didn't feel so good. And uh, the whole day, I just kind of like walked around and I kept like putting my thumb against things and feeling it. I was like, something's really not good. And uh, my mom actually worked at the school and I didn't really show her my thumb until after school was out. So she was like, uh, we need to go to the ER and get this checked out because I think this is broken. So we ended up waiting like five hours in the ER and uh it was on her birthday so oh lovely and then uh in high school during strength training they would always have dodgeball and i was like no i'm not doing this i hate this game i can't throw it's awful so my friend and i would always just like dip out of the gym and go back to the weight room <laughs> then uh when i started college um 
some of my dorm mates ended up like dragging me out to go play foam dodgeball with the Oregon State Club. And for whatever reason, I was like, okay, this is fun. Um, I started out as the weakest thrower out of anyone. Like nobody threw slower than I did. And uh, Kevin Pack kind of kept bugging me to come out to rubber. I was like, no, that sounds awful. And from the first time that I went out, I was just kind of like hooked. So um, started with the Oregon State Club in 2010. And honestly, that's that was just where it started. That's crazy. So go from a broken thumb, not wanting to have anything to do with dodgeball to being drug out by, I don't care what you say, Kevin Pack is a legend, Falcon Punch, <laughs> Captain. I only say just because the, the, NDL stigma, um, but the guy's awesome. He's still a legend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he completely was the one who taught me how to throw. So, so we can thank him for for that. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, you also had what Ashley Cook, um, Ashley Tyreno, yep. uh, Ashley Tyree. Yeah. Tyree is her. Is her was she? She was Ashley Cook once, right? That was her. Uh, no, she name? was always Tyree. I think her before she got married, though, she was Ashley Cook. I think I'm pretty sure I knew her a lot before, a lot longer than you did. So I'm, I'm like going back to 2006, seven timeframe. Why am I blanking on her previous last name? Clearly you I'm guys aren't related. Cause that, that was my follow-up question was, was there any relation there? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it was Ashley cook. Um, no, I'm an idiot. I'm thinking of the actual Ashley cook that exists right now. Um, man, now I'm, there's gonna... like Steven Britton and uh, Pat, Oh man, yeah, you're bringing back some memories. Seeing Britain, <laughs> that kid had some hands. Um, and Brian Ware, the general. <laughs> I remember one time I popped that guy in the back of the head, uh, playing on his team, mind you. It was me and Mason. We were playing <laughs> with Damnation in 2012 and um, hit him in the back of the head. And he just like looked at me like, I was like, I think I'm going to get in a fight right now. Um, he's all, he just saw like, obviously I didn't mean he's like, it's all good, dude. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> That's some rage so, <laughs> like that guy has. <laughs> so that was one of the cool things though. Like, um, I know you've kind of talked about like different regions having kind of like different play styles and attitudes, right? Yep. Um, and I think Sean and um, Alan kind of touched on it briefly, but like the Portland vibe versus like the like Corvallis vibe at that time was very, very different, right? So Portland was like very scared of headshots. They were very like slow play and Oregon state was more akin to what like, you know, competitive is now like headshots weren't discouraged, but they weren't encouraged. They happened. They happened. Um, And I think that's a lot of why, like, I'm not afraid to ever take a shot because Kevin Pack and I would stand 10 feet away from each other and just hit each other full force. So you remember going <laughs> to the, the open gyms with you guys and really loving how you guys had open gym. Cause it's very similar to how we did in Tucson where it was hey, don't care if it's 10, 20, 30 people on 30, here's some balls, uh, go, go nuts. And then usually you have like the, the last few games where I think you guys were like trying to create a wall around Kevin <laughs> and like, just see yep. who could break it. <laughs> You do all kinds of silly stuff, but at, at that point we're two hours in and, uh, I mean, we already got as much, uh, competition as possible. And, yeah. um, 
it was a blast playing with you guys, uh, especially with Kevin and, and Ashley. That, that was always a good time, um, especially knowing him for so long. But um, I can definitely attest to like the fast pace. Um, you know, headshots happen. They do. You know, not great, like you said, but if they do, just carry on. And then um, never really got to experience Portland, so it's kind of cool hearing um, Allen's and Sean's breakdown of that. And yeah. then um, I think they also kind of talked about Seattle a little bit once uh, Lucas went out there. Um, did you ever have, have any experience with them prior to getting involved in Elite? Yeah, um, I've actually played up in Seattle quite a bit. I actually learned how to play pinch at a... Um at Cal Anderson, like their Friday night outdoor thing. Nice. Um, Seattle's a really fun vibe. It's it was it's kind of similar to what Oregon State was like back in its heyday, honestly. Um, it's kind of changed a little bit. I know they're really pushing foam now, um, but I still really enjoy any time I'm up in Seattle playing for sure. Nice. Yeah the uh, the Seattle Classic was a blast. I remember. I was just talking about this with, uh, I think it was Kyle last week about, um, going up with damnation in 2013 and legitimately mm-hmm. thinking I was going to steamroll everybody because <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm playing with Kevin and Jonathan and Britain and all these, I'm, I'm playing with damnation. Like I, I yeah. don't think in my mind, you know, still haven't really quite experienced dodgeball outside the West. I didn't think there was uh competitive teams out there. And I distinctly yeah. remember seeing Alan's dad. I was like, wow, this guy's, <laughs> this guy's pretty old. So this guy's basically giving me permission to keep playing. Cause I thought I was like the oldest guy there. And then, um, right. I don't think that was the case. And yeah, I think we took second, unfortunately. And, um, I was like, wow, there's a lot of competition out there. Like I had hope for the first time, um, that this national tournament this national like with regions and, and competitive divisions all over the place well not divisions but regions all over the place it might actually happen because in 2013 elite was still just kind of getting its um like its bearings i guess and we they had like a a four or they were going to have a four um tournament series just for the west though because we still they still hadn't made any headway with the north or the south or, or the east so i remember walking back thinking man one day that's going to be a region in and of itself and so yeah. when um when Alan was talking about how they they made their debut as uh rainbows in 2017 like I, I wasn't shocked that they placed really well i remember um i was in georgia so i sat out for that titan tournament and they told us uh or mm-hmm. they told me that uh, i think rainbows knocked him out I was like, yeah, uh, that makes sense. Um, I bet there's a lot of people that just coalesce into the best team possible, and and they probably surprise a lot of people. So it sounds like that's exactly what happened. Yeah, there's a lot of talent in the region for sure. So, uh, were you? Uh, what what team were you with during that time? So we kind of talked about OSU Dodgeball Club, which was a chapter of the uh, NCDA, right? I think. Uh, or... It never was. I think they might be affiliated now. Right, um, but NCDA wasn't really a thing back then. At least for for At you least guys not, out there. Not when I was in. I had a, I was actually like president of the club for a while. So, gotcha. I mean, I'd never heard anything about it during that time period. So, yeah, it was like twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen. But you guys were uh, an official sanctioned club, though, right? Correct. Yeah, like you actually were allowed to wear the OSU Beaver and. So that was one of the slightly disappointing things. The clubs weren't allowed to wear the like 
athletic department's logo. They had like a, um, they had like a logo that was created and set aside for club use, but it kind of sucked. So most of us didn't use it. I remember, um, I think 2006, maybe seven was when Kevin Pack came down and it Mm -hmm. looked like a college sent a team and I was so excited. I was like, holy crap, they did it. Those crazy sons of like, they, they figured out a way to get into a college and get sanctioned. Cause it's all about, you know, the image and what they portrayed and, you know, kind of talking to Kevin, right, yeah. he actually explained, you know, yeah, their club will, I don't think he said they gave you guys money, but they would help you fundraise. Um, but they, so they actually did give some funds for awesome. um, like travel and hotel. Um, and some of it was up to like fundraising as well, but yeah, some of it was covered. Nice. I was always impressed with that. So you guys always, always stood out. And then never mind the fact that Kevin was a monster. And then Ashley was, um, I remember she caught either myself or Chris Bell and then Mason. She caught Chris in one hand and Mason in the other hand and fell out of bounds. Just yep. bam, bam. I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, of course she She's would. She's still a monster. <laughs> yeah. It was cool seeing her come back in 2018, I think. Um, yep. I'm assuming she's still playing. I mean, if we had a season, would we have seen her again? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, she's definitely, uh, she's one of my favorites from from back in the day. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, and that was the cool thing with the club too. Like I kind of got like just put right into like competitive play. Um, I think I went to the NDL tournaments like either the first or the second year after I started playing. Which um, would have been like 2012, 2013? Like 2011, 2012. 2011. So, I mean, I, that was kind of a cool first experience for sure. I think I kind of started the NDL right at like its peak um, before it kind of started dropping off. Yeah, 2010 was its peak. 2011, almost mm-hmm. as good. 2012 was like, whoa. Like, yeah, I, I think it was, it was 2011 that it was first there. Cause it was a good experience my first time out. So yeah, it had to have been 11, 12 was, 12 was, 12 was all right. I mean, 12, you could tell like, okay, this, this ship is seen better days. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, um, I remember watching you play in open. I was like, this guy's going to be dangerous. Like I could just see like you had the, not the potential. Cause you're, you're still wrecking people. But uh, I just remember like, if this guy takes it seriously, he's going to murder somebody. So yeah. prophecy has come true. Um, I mean, I haven't <laughs> killed anybody yet, but it's, I've seen what you're capable of doing now. It's, it's freaky. Um, definitely got some questions about that from the crowdsource ones, but, uh, uh, I wanted to ask about Gumby. Is he still around? Do you know what I'm talking um, about? Yeah. I don't know quite what he's up to. I think he's on my steam. I thought, uh, I thought <laughs> he's always been a crazy dude. I love that dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this guy's a goofball, man. I remember seeing this kid. I was like, who is this guy? But he was he had a pretty good throw and he was just I think he wore jeans. I was like, we have one of those. Like yep, we have a gummy Always t-shirt. wearing jeans for sure. That was his thing. I thought he was Coiv uh when I first saw Coiv. I was like, that can't be Gumby. Gumby would just do some of the craziest stuff. Like most of it's almost like indescribable and it's stuff that's like so crazy. It would make any player in like, you know, elite like hesitate for a second and be like, what is going on? What is this, what is this kid doing? You could probably get an out from that, you know, like that was his thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
kind of like that like drunken fighting style it would like, put people <laughs> off so much <laughs> i mean he was called gumby for a reason and just just picture if gumby wore jeans and played dodgeball and you got this kid uh yeah i i truly like i said i, I was disappointed when i found <laughs> out that that was not coy i was like oh heck yeah man gumby's like he's still going that's awesome and yeah wasn't him <clears throat> oh man um so 2013, like when, when about did you become on Damnation, Salvation, and then finally into the elite scene? Uh, so first I was kind of put on to Salvation. I think that was like 2012. Um, Cause that was the last time I went to the NDL for that. Um, and then kind of the following year, I was actually asked on to Damnation. And Salvation was Damnation's like farm team, B squad kind of um yeah that's not what it was intended to be like the new generation right um i don't know just the way that things rolled out they kind of wanted me for a damnation um so we kind of played around as damnation for a little bit um and then that's sort of about when i started going up to portland and um that's sort of when the whole like rise to elite thing started going on Gotcha. And what was your uh, first elite team? Uh, I So I actually went, I think it was West round two or three the year before Rain Bros had gone. It was in Phoenix. Oh, that's right. You were and with uh, Arsenal. Yeah, I was playing with Arsenal. And I had a blast. I mean, I know I was targeted really hard. <laughs> but... I had a lot of fun and for me, it really wasn't anything that was like that over my head. And that's kind of when I started reaching out to people about maybe making like a Northwest team. And then they kind of took that and ran with that without me. So that's kind of where that went. <laughs> Thanks guys. <laughs> I forgot about Arsenal. That was, yeah, man, we did dig up memories of, uh, tournaments past and teams past yeah um, i think people were kind of a little bit confused about me at first yeah like, like, who's, who is this guy who's this guy who actually looks like he knows what he's doing <laughs> oh man um this is what 2015 and then i think so yeah because yeah, i think that was the last time elite was here um they did one in tucson in 2014 and never again because for some reason people rag on tucson so Mesa's. I like it. I think it's awesome. Thank you. Like I like it also. I'm from there, but I mean, it's not a bad city. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and then um, where where did you end up after Arsenal? Uh, so after that, um, I ended up on Grip City Downpour, which was like initially Forest Giants, and then there's some jersey changes and name changes, um, and then I kind of eventually made my way over to Rainbows. And that was a downpour with James Alston, right? Yep. Yep. Another name. Man, you're, you're bringing back all kinds of faces and memories. Yeah, James so. was also from Damnation. Yeah, I remember, I don't know if we roomed with him uh, during 2012, but me and Mason and him hung out for a little bit. He's a cool guy. Still is. <laughs> yeah. Um, nice. So that, that pretty much sums it up for you, I guess. I mean, career, uh, not career-wise, but team-wise. I mean, obviously, you've been playing for, for quite a while. And so for anybody that just knows you now as as rainbows it's kind of cool to retrace that history yeah um 
earlier in the stream, uh, Sergio said, go there with rabbit holes. So yes, I will. I'm still, <laughs> still going to go there. But, um, what, uh, so you, you, I mean, you went from not wanting to have anything to do with dodgeball to competing in, in NDL and elite. Um, I know you yep. said Kevin kind of drug you out and, and got you into it, but like, what, uh, what was the hook for you? Like, why did you decide, Hey, I actually really like this. Um, so for me, something that really kind of gets me going is if I'm bad at something, I just, I cannot stand that. Um, and I always love improving and the fact that I couldn't even throw a foam ball, like 35 miles an hour, like a seven inch foam, it just did not sit well with me. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just for me, as soon as something clicks as a hobby, I just want to get as good as I can at it. So I just spent hours throwing at a wall. Kevin would give me help. I mean, I got into the gym to work on like dodgeball specific exercises. Um, I always had power. That wasn't so much an issue as figuring out form because I had never done like any throwing sports whatsoever. And that's probably why my throw is a little bit off to some people. I was gonna say weird, effective, but weird. <laughs> what uh, what sports did you do growing up? Uh, soccer, football, track, golf, swimming, uh, pretty much everything I could get into. But I'm actually a one handicap golfer, so golf is a big one for sure. Huh? Do you incorporate any of like the golf mechanics into playing or? Uh, totally. So golf is actually where a lot of my power comes from. Um, I developed a lot of like core rotation power specifically for golf. And that translates over super well for dodgeball. That's funny. I, I can almost see it now. As soon as you said golf, I was like, wait a minute, his throw actually <laughs> kind of makes sense now a little bit. Um, can you get into that a little bit more? Like, like how, how so? Um, so with golf, your weight transfer is kind of what drives your swing. Right. Right. Um, and I actually spent a lot of time like taking video of my golf swing and just going over it in slow motion and comparing it to like Tiger Woods, other PGA pros. And I would actually kind of look at it and see where I'm off in certain spots. And I would sort of change my swing mechanics to sort of tighten things up. And I actually ended up doing the same thing with dodgeball. Um, I know my mechanics still look a little bit weird. Um, part of that's because of how like double jointed I am. So that's why my extension gets so far back. Um, but yeah, I mean, being able to look at yourself on video and pointing out exactly where you can make little tweaks is super important, I think. So you're incorporating that pretty much once you decided, Hey, I like dodgeball, I want to get better. So how can I look at myself? Basically, you went you went beyond just throwing at a wall until you got good. Yeah, for sure. Nice. And I mean, something that was super big for me is the way that Kevin Peck taught me to throw. And I know it's kind of been adopted by a lot of players now, but, you know, 75% of my power actually comes from my wrist flick. Like, forearms are super huge for throwing, especially with 8.5. That's what I was saying about um, Mike McGee. Yeah, and I think it's really valuable for everyone to kind of train that because when you can throw a 70% shot just from like standing and you don't even have to do anything with your arm, it's 
huge. Like it opens up a lot of possibilities for you. So do you do any specific training for your forearms then? Um, yeah. The first one that Kevin ever taught me is just stand like 10 to 15 feet away from a wall and actually put your, um, your chest parallel to the wall and just sit there with the, like your wrist popped and just try to get as much power out of just that wrist as you can huh, and sweet. just do that for a while. And you start to get a feeling for that. So, I mean, your body does some of the work of the throw, right? But that wrist work is really what gives you a lot of extra pop. Huh. And I mean, for me, like work is super intensive on my forearms and there's some gym exercises you can do too, but I've got really strong grip and strong forearms. So that helps a bunch. Yeah. I I would say with your actual manual labor probably goes a long way also. (laughs) For sure. So I guess the secret is if you're not baking cookies, then uh, remodel bathrooms and they'll put yep. you well on your way. <clears throat> I remember um, Mason Doom Train was, was looking at uh, Kevin Pack and he's like, dude, Steve, his forearms are like the size of your entire body. I'm like, I believe it. <laughs> We're just like watching Kevin like like warm up, like Jesus Christ, this guy's a monster. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, because we called Mason the Doom Train, we, we figured we thought Kevin was like his, his nemesis. So we called him like the derailer and it was really funny. <laughs> and that's why when we got him to play together, that was so much fun. It just took all the pressure off. Um, yeah, Kevin is, yeah, that dude's just built like a freaking Mack truck. I actually remember when we went over to England for the, um, the WDA championships, um, Brett Batke actually had like this grip pole meter. It was like for hockey. And he did it and he ended up getting like 50 pounds of force. Then he gave it to Kevin and I, and we both topped a hundred pounds of force with our, like, with our like dominant throwing hands. Jesus. So forearms and, uh, actually this, this kind of leads to a good segue because talk about and WDA and I was bashing cloth and, uh, <laughs> uh, it was so perfect. Kyle got me really good. I was like, well, you know, sick of like all these handicap balls to make up for the fact that people can't throw rubber. So just get better. And then Kyle's <laughs> like, well, once you get better at cloth, I was like, oh, you son of a, you got me. <laughs> so <laughs> so for me, wrong, but... cloth actually throws very, very similarly to rubber. Yeah. So um, how was your, cause you kind of told me like you can kind of give advice on how to throw better. Yeah. So the biggest thing is figuring out your grip with cloth. And I mean, you do need to have a cert like, your hand needs to be like a certain size to make this grip work. Um, my hands aren't huge at all. Like they're pretty average. Um, but basically what you end up doing is you have your fingertips on, there's basically seams all over the ball, right? Right. Um, and you put your fingertips on the seam and then you put the tip of your thumb on the seam, like right across from it. And you don't need to hold the nipple or anything. Um, just digging into those seams is enough to be able to pump fake. Hmm. And once you can pump fake with it, it really does just throw like rubber. So you get that, like that velocity, you get that control versus trying to shovel past the thing. Yeah. And people were very confused, like (laughs) about my throw with cloth over in like England. They were, they didn't quite understand how I was holding it like that. That's a curious now. I want to give it a shot. It it does help um, when the balls are actually super inflated. 
Um, and that's how they're played for like WGA because they're very, very pumped up. What was, um, so you had experienced, uh, NDL elite. What, what was your take on the whole WDA experience? I actually really enjoyed it. Um, traveling to England was really cool. Like the first year that I went in 2016, I thought it was run very well. Um, I know there's a bunch of flack for the way the teams were selected and all that, but um, for me, just like being able to play against international competition, like making a bunch of international friends and playing in that different style was very enjoyable. Um, and I know a lot of people weren't happy with how the 2018 tournament went. Um, but the way the US team played, and a lot of it was like Northwest contribution, just the way we sort of adapted the elite style gameplay into the WDA style was really interesting. And it took a lot of people off guard. I mean, how would you rank, mm-hmm. again, elite, NDL, and WDA style? I'm really curious, like, what was, what's like by far your favorite version of a play? Not so much I mean, I think it. elite for sure. It's pretty hard to top that style and just sort of the overall feeling. Uh, why is that? Um, um, I think just the rule set and just like the pace of the games. I don't really like timed quite as much as like elimination. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I've got mixed feelings because I, I do like... I played in the WDBF version. Like they, they they did the rule format for one of Tyler's like invitationals, I think, last year. Feels yeah. like five years ago. And that was cool. That was like, man, those games were marathons. Like I remember playing against Doom mm-hmm. for like what felt like an eternity. And I was like, oh man, there's actually a chance like we might not win this or maybe tie, but there's a lot of back and forth and it just felt like a marathon. So that was fun. Where I start to get turned off with timing is when you just camp out. Cause like, okay, we're already ahead. So we're going to slow the clock down. Like that gets frustrating. That's what bothers me. It does change the way that the game is played. Yeah. I've never really played it in like a high stakes environment, but like for rec, it's kind of hard to just kind of sit down and like, well, we're just going to, you know, throw garbage shots and wind the clock down and and get a win that way. That always, that never felt right. Yeah, I can't stand it. Yeah, <laughs> if there's money online, then sure, I'll I'll get over it, I guess. But for now, it's yeah. just based on the little experience I've had. That it it does kind of have that tendency. But of course, when you're rooting for Team USA, it's like it's like just hold, just camp out for like 30 minutes and call it a day. <laughs> yeah. Um. So let's go ahead and rank your balls then. Um, that sounded weird. Um, foam, <laughs> no sting, 8.5, and cloth. How would you how would you rank them? Uh, first is 8.5. I mean, that's my starting ball and always my favorite. Second, I think I'm going to have to put it as a tie between seven inch cloth and seven inch foam. Um, and then no sting I really don't care for and 8.25 foam I despise. So. Hmm. I wonder if. I think is eight point two five must be a Portland thing because I don't. It's a 
it's really popular in the Northwest and like, right. um, like Vancouver, Canada. Got it. That's, that just feels weird to me. And it's like, it's almost the size of an 8.5, but it's so light. It ends up hurting me. Versus a seven inch foam. That doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. I'm not sure why, but <laughs> maybe it's just like the, the muscle memory of thinking you're holding a ball of substance does that to you? I think that's a lot of it. Yeah. Just like the, and I mean, my mechanics do change a little bit for smaller ball types. Gotcha. Yeah. I used to, I kind of, uh, I'm falling into the same boat of no sting. It used to be 8.5 no sting. And then five slots later next to rocks would be foam, but I'm really mm. digging foam now or was, um, once I started to understand a little bit more how, how it moved and wasn't as terrible, um, just kind of take my own advice, just get better. 8.25 foam. I, I really hope we don't see that ever. Um, yeah, I'm getting, it's like, we got four balls already. That that's enough. Like no, more. it's a good direct ball. It's not really a good, I mean, there's competitive tournaments with it, but, but, um, but to follow up on what you said, like the reason I dislike nosting so much is I feel like it's super inconsistent like ball to ball yeah and what the nosting ball does in its flight path is sometimes just like you can't really explain it 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 just it wobbles so much in the air and it does weird things and i just i mean seven inch foam like it almost always reacts the same way when you like throw it right and 8.5 pretty much the same thing like sometimes you'll get a better ball that you can do a little bit more with um and that's actually one of my favorite things about cloth is they're about all the exact same like there's not really a difference between cloth balls on the court huh. so that's d definitely a major point <laughs> for cloth is they're all very consistent ball to ball did you ever hear of the international dodgeball federation I don't think so. So where this cloth ball came from was that organization that existed somewhere between 1997 to maybe 2009, 10, uh, before dropping off. Mm -hmm. um, not sure where they went. Um, but this guy named Rusty Walker was the overseer, president, overlord of it. And he said that it took them, I hope he was exaggerating, but it said it took them about 70 or some odd iterations to get that ball figured out when they played with all the clubs and all the States uh, or all the countries, they decided that this weird ball water volleyball thing was the way to go because it caused less injuries, caused less impact, but it was still throwable. And um, I mean, it's been around for, <laughs> for a hot minute and that, that was just like, when I heard that, I was like, you guys put that much thought into this thing? This thing's ridiculous. And this is back in 2005 when I found out. But um, I'm curious if that's why it has ground internationally. And it's it's funny that it's slowly trying to make its way into the States. And um, I don't know. Maybe maybe I might be wrong. I was wrong about foam. So might be wrong. It's about actually cloth. really interesting that they said it doesn't like have a high impact. Like not like the, <clears throat> like the my insides are destroyed, 
8.5 crushing impact. Like, I, I feel like you could still hit somebody pretty hard with cloth, but I don't think it has. Uh, the... I don't know, man. When they're fully inflated, they hit pretty hard. Yeah. I mean, I was just warming up with Michael Coy. And, I mean, he's got a solid throw, but like, it's not the same as like, you know, Sean or I throwing at you. And he chested me with a warm up throw and it knocked the wind out of me. Really? So. <laughs> huh. When they're when they're fully inflated, they impart a lot of force. That's for sure. Well, I mean, this ball also debuted in like the late '90s, early thousands, so people weren't nearly as well versed in dodgeball at that time. Yeah. I think if you put like anything into a dodgeballer's hands, it might be lethal. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> foam, not so much. I don't know. That being said, when cloth balls are not inflated, they it feels like nothing. Hmm. But overall, so they're. they're the most consistent that you've experienced for sure. That's crazy. I don't know. I've been, I've been swayed once it could happen again. <laughs> I, I like to I'm an old man. I hate change, but usually if it's backed by USA dodgeball, you want our guys to be the best. So it's like, fine, I yeah. guess throw another ball in there. Um, <laughs> push us further from unity, but whatever snarky comments aside, um, let me see if there's any other preliminaries. Um, got a couple more questions, but they might show up in the crowdsource. Looks like we got quite a few. Um, all right. So before we start recording, we were talking about, um, how you like, uh, where you, there isn't a movie that scares you. And then we went off the rails about like ghosts and aliens and stuff. And you said like, you've seen a couple of UFOs. So I have to ask, um, explain. <laughs> Uh, when I was a kid in Sacramento, I ended up seeing, it was basically the shape of like a Imperial, like destroyer. And it was just like this gigantic black, like trapezoid shape in the sky. And a lot of my friends saw it. Everyone in the area saw it. It was just like clear open skies. I mean, that's that. Yeah. It's different when other people see it, I guess. Not just you. (laughs) There's a lot, for sure. I've had some ghost experiences, too. Anyone that, like, freak you out or stand out the most? I mean, I've been pushed down the stairs, so. That's, I didn't know they can do that. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, Lots of door slamming and stuff like that. Lovely. Maybe there's just, like, this energy about you, just, like, attract that stuff. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I wonder if because um, we were talking about like the the monoliths that are appearing. I think one just appeared somewhere in like South America. Like, is it happening? Is this like the finale to twenty twenty, or is somebody playing a really awesome <laughs> joke? Because we're all just expecting, like, what now? I mean, you got thirty one days left, twenty twenty. Like, what what else you got? I'm just waiting for the flammable snow. Flammable snow. Yeah. What even is that? I don't know. Just gonna snow fire. I saw it in a meme somewhere. I mean, I wouldn't put it past 2020 at this point. Yeah, let's see what the universe has. No, I'm down. <laughs> Whatever. Let, let's let's just go. Let's just end this, and then hopefully, <laughs> magically, some date will change, and uh, we'll go back to normal. Whatever that was. And we we'll just hope 2020 wasn't the warm up for 2021. I feel like that's what it is, man. I feel like it's just gonna get. Because <laughs> I remember, like, people really hated 2016. They're like. 2016 fu worst worst year ever and then silence and then i think people really 
didn't like 2018. So maybe it's just like the the even numbers. It could be a yeah. Maybe 21 21 will be a little bit nicer. Hope so. I guarantee you though. Like I think. 2021 could be as positive as possible, but the second anything negative happens, someone's it's like, Oh my God, it's worse. Exactly. It's just, Oh no, 2020 never ended. I feel like that's just like the collective attitude now. It's like, whatever, we're all just going to collectively complain about this year, um, <laughs> going into next year. But, uh, there better be dodgeball at least that that's like the only, that's what I'm hoping for, for sure. That's the only requirement. Just please let dodgeball come back. <clears throat> Even if it's just at a local level. Like that would be nice. Yeah. So is there anything going on in uh, Portland or I think, did you say it was shut, it was shut down or there? I mean, I think Alan and Sean touched on this. There was some like outdoor, like pickup with no sting going on. I didn't really go out cause no sting. Right. That's pretty much it, honestly. Um, just the way that like indoor recreation spaces are kind of like, dealt with with covid makes it pretty impossible yeah i think uh kyle mentioned it last week that at the time it was kind of like a i don't know if it was like an invite only or like appointment basis but like they had to be super careful like who was going just to make sure that you know they're they're not bringing in any uh people that were around a vast group of people what have you so I'm, i'm pretty sure that's probably gone now yeah, especially since there's uh more lockdown talk, and I think Arizona is pushing for another emergency convention or meeting, so we're probably gonna roll back to March or April. Yeah, Portland was actually just in a big like freeze. Um, Fantastic. Restaurants got shut back down. A lot of bars got shut back down. Uh, yeah, man. So what's uh? How have you been handling COVID? Usually, that's like the first question I ask, but try to switch up a little bit introduce you first so what's uh what's kept you going i mean pretty much just work i thought we'd slow down but uh it's been quite the opposite huh so just putting up a lot of tile i mean it's good it's good that works good for you um maybe people are just spending so much time in their homes just like getting super obsessed with like change it up yeah i mean it's been a lot of just like work in video games pretty much i mean what else are you, you can do? sometimes go to the gym like now you can't so oh they close they close this down again yep oh man it's pretty frustrating but and the one i go to just opened up a couple months ago or at least i got back to it a couple months ago and if they take that from me again i'm, I'm gonna that that'll be it like, I've been I've been coasting pretty well. 2020 has been actually really good for me, but take my gym away again. I'm I'm done. Like I'm I'm gonna lose it. Yeah, I mean, I actually worked so hard during the summer that I ended up losing like 25 pounds in a month. So, dang, that was, and I I really didn't do anything other than work. So, yeah. Well, I'm definitely gonna ask you about work. Um, couple questions down so before we get into the the crowdsource questions um do you have any songs that um amp you up before dodgeball that's a good one um let me pull up my playlist i actually have like a dodgeball playlist that i pull up whenever i'm like doing warm-ups nice 
think Psycho by Muse is definitely a big one. Psycho by Muse. Uh, Bangarang, Skrillex. It's always good. Um, so you just have like a just have a whole like Spotify playlist got it do you um do you have any like rituals when you're about to play or like night before day of morning of not really um I mean pretty much just eat a decent breakfast get pre-workout be ready to go Nice. I just had this memory of um, when I went up there for the Seattle Classic. I was watching um, IT Crowd with Kevin. Uh, I love that show. Kevin showed me that too. Yeah. Was I in the same room with you guys? Um, it was the Disabled episode. Yep. I, dude, I, I, I fell asleep laughing. Like I could not stop. And to this day, that, like that show is just criminally underrated. Yeah, that that episode, that was my first real experience. And I was like, what am I watching? This is genius. And then um, <laughs> I think I woke up laughing. Like, I just, I'm like, oh my God, all these organ, I called you guys oregano. All these guys are going to think I'm crazy. Like, like the steeple K, like, I just, I could not, I could not stop. Um, I just, yeah, I went home and I watched that again. I was like, this is gold. Like, just... <laughs> yeah, for anyone listening, the IT crowd watch it the it crowd and i mean if you want to fast i mean i, I can't speak for most of them I, I think the first season was great i love that first boss the oh yeah yeah it just jumps out the window he doesn't even jump out the window he just like walks out <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's a good show um good lord the disabled one killed me though i i don't think i've laughed that hard in a yeah. continuous setting over tv movie cartoon and in, in my entire life like I mean, it got me to cry laugh, so yeah. it's pretty solid. I was ugly cry laughing. Like, I fell asleep laughing, <laughs> woke up laughing, and it's like, I got I to gotta chill. Like, I got to I gotta calm down. I'm going to think I'm crazy. <clears throat> well, let's, um, before we get into uh, too many rabbit holes here with IT Crowd, um, looks like we've got some of the questions. So, um, I believe Sean Anderson demands i don't see a question mark quick tips on how to be ambidextrous so what's up with that um i mean so the biggest way that i taught myself how to throw lefty is i basically did my throw motion right-handed as slow as possible and kind of paid attention to where everything was and i tried to mimic it left-handed and i mean it's really just repetition like every couple of throws, just stop and go back to your dominant hand and make sure everything's in the right spot. Um, I kind of got forced into, I mean, I had already developed my left-handed throw really well before it happened, but um, the last West season, I ended up tearing, um, ended up tearing my lat like right before we played heat in 8.5 so i sat out for that but the entire rest of like the no sting division I actually played left-handed and i played the whole seattle classic left-handed with 8.5 hmm. can you i mean i'm trying to remember if i've seen you throw lefty <laughs> is it is it 
it's pretty as hard as your your rider. It's maybe a couple miles an hour slower, not much, but enough to be pretty lethal still. Yeah, um, I think actually the really interesting thing about playing like the whole classic left-handed and playing a bunch of elite left-handed, like I've always been good at throwing left-handed. Um, but that made me good at playing left-handed and like, there's a difference there. Like you kind of have to learn how to jump and dodge and block left-handed. Like it's a totally different thing. And now both feel completely natural to me. Nice. So in a way it was kind of a blessing, I guess. Yeah. I tried, uh, I tried throwing left-handed mostly just because I don't want to have like this offset right upper body. And so (laughs) I, I I know it's not enough, but I, I always try to, when I'm warming up to get some left motion in, because I really enjoyed what you said, like, okay, I can throw righty so naturally, like why can't I do this with my left? So let me just break down every single movement. Yeah. I can get the the motion going. I can get the momentum. I can get a decent throw. Um, I still lack a lot of power. And I think that's just because I'm not doing the, the hip turn. Um, but it's cool when you do that you just like, can't yeah, I figure sure. this out? I'm going to, I'm going to, my right hand goes this way. My, right foot does this like how do i mimic this that's a cool thing to do and once you learn how to like wrist flick with like your offhand too that does make a huge change because i think a lot of people go into trying to throw with their offhand and they sort of they don't end up doing that and they're just kind of pulling the ball along and you lose a lot of power that might be where i'm going wrong because i don't think i Mm -hmm. i think i focus on everything else and then just kind of you kind of forget about it forget about that last second uh flick Yep. You go outside and try that real quick. <laughs> I figured it out. Um, well, I guess uh, as far as quick uh, quick tips, yeah, just uh, think about what you're doing, slow it down, and just... Really just try to mimic it. Yeah, yeah. mimic it. Because that's what we need. We need Sean to be ambidextrous. Like, why not? That's... He actually does have a pretty decent left-handed throw. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Uh, Sergio Leone, who hurt you? Um, I'm gonna end him. That's it. You cancel Sergio. Um, moving on. Sydney Somerville just blew up some questions here. Um, kind of cover this, but we'll give you an opportunity to answer her question. Um, how are you coping without dodgeball and with the outrageous virus we can't seem to shake? I mean, I do really miss dodgeball. Um, it's hard. I, I think I don't, like Sean and um, Alan said, maybe I don't miss it quite as much as I like thought I would. But there's definitely days where I'm kind of just like, ugh, I'd really like to be out there playing, you know? Yeah. Like, it, it's just, all it feels like I'm doing is like work. You're just being, being an adult. I, I just, I miss that, like, this weeknights of playing dodgeball, you know? Yeah, it's um, it's weird because like like I get this aspect. Like I've been able to almost every week talk to somebody about dodgeball, so I feel like I'm not as far removed from it. But I guarantee you, if if league opened up next week, I'd be like, holy crap, I miss this. And if yeah. I were to play in elite ever again, <clears throat> or next year or whenever it happens, I'd be like, yeah, this, this was very, very missed. I wonder if a lot of people are, are like that. Cause the one good thing about 2020 and kudos to, I think it's people like Joe DeFuria, uh, Jimmy Bizzle, um, 
I think Alicia Demanuel, some people are posting like, Hey, what, what good things have happened for you? And it seems like a lot of people, you know, let life happen. Some people got married, bought houses, um, got better jobs. were able to kind of just focus on them. And so yeah. it's like one good takeaway, but I hope it's not so good that they're like, yeah, I don't need dodgeball anymore. My life's so much better without it. Like, let's not go that far. <clears throat> but, no, I, I feel that for sure. I mean, I've seen it a lot with my like personal friends group. Like there's a lot still going on, you know? Yep. Let's see. Um, she also asked, do you miss your Canadian pal? Of course I do. I'm wearing your Jersey right now. Oh, it's adorable. <laughs> um, first thing you'll do when you're back on the courts. Oh man. Probably have to shake off some rest. That's the one thing I'm kind of nervous about. I mean, I feel like everyone's going to be pretty rusty. I feel like it's going to be fun to watch. Like, <laughs> hopefully, no one gets no one gets hurt. But like, just seeing who has actually been in the gym, putting in the work, just trying to stay somewhat active and conditioned versus who's like literally just have not played or done anything in right. x amount of time, and how long it takes until they're back to their peak form. That'll be fun to watch. I am kind of excited to play as like me weighing less. Um, just being able to move a lot quicker on the court. I think that'll be fun. Yep. Um, she asked, what's life like over in Portland since the outbreak? So you mentioned uh, bars just got shut down. Restaurants just got shut down. I mean, is it like a true lockdown? Are you guys like shut in or like what's. So construction's never been shut down. So, I mean, I've been out there since the beginning. Um, it was kind of nice in the beginning. There was literally no traffic and you could go anywhere you wanted at any time and not worry about it. Um, traffic's kind of back to normal now. Um, I mean, you have to wear a mask any building you go into and pretty much in any public space. That's weird. I mean... I think I'm kind of over it at this point. Like, I guess it doesn't bother me so much, but it just sucks that it's kind of like the new norm, I guess. Yeah. That's the thing is I quickly asked Justin about, you know, what's your thought on the, on a post COVID world. And <clears throat> I think, I think we're it. I think, I don't think there's going to be a, a back to normal. I think normal is hopefully people, Realize that if you're sick, stay home. Um, many corporations and workforces will allow people to work from home if they're feeling sick or if they need that chance to stay home. Yeah. I hope we see more of that. <clears throat> I hope we see more people just practicing good hygiene, just washing their hands like that stuff you should be doing anyway. Right. <laughs> and, um, I mean, if we have to wear masks from, from now on, I mean, I, I guess, guess it's tolerable. Yeah. I'm I'm starting to not mind it. I just I get more upset that I forget it sometimes. Like, oh crap, I forgot my mask. Run back to the car before somebody Facebooks me and calls me an idiot. Yeah, I mean I had to go get some stuff at work today from like a lumber yard and I ended up forgetting my cloth mask at the job site. So I just put on like a full face respirator and I was like, Oh, this works. <laughs> I freak people out, like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh I do like the uh stay six feet away in line at like the store or Chipotle. Like, I love that. I hope that doesn't go away. That should be how normal life is anyway. I feel that. Yep. Um, Joe Coella asks, um, how was, how was first experience playing with rise at the NDI? 
So I guess how was the first experience playing with Rise at the NDI tournament, which was man, ten years ago, two years ago, <laughs> January. Honestly, it felt really smooth. I mean, I think the playstyles of like Rain and Rise are so similar. Um, not a whole lot changed for me. I mean, still in the middle, and still pretty much doing about the same thing. So, like, as far as like roles go. Yeah, I mean, even like the play calling's super similar. So, I don't know. It felt pretty natural. Nice. It was fun. A lot of fun. Yeah, I was wondering. Um, the, I mean, we we did a what we missed the most episode uh, a couple months ago, and we're just like, man, I really wanted to see like how Rise would look now. I mean, throwing mm-hmm. yourself in there, Sean. Alan and you bring in Andy like oh, there's so much stuff I want to see I really want to see like how Alan played against you guys too I know like yeah. when I did the catch-up episode with him he was kind of bummed doesn't get that chance to have his vengeance on on rise or whatever it was that he was was after and just a lot of stuff that man um had I known that this was the only time we'd get a chance to see the news rise I probably would have paid more attention headed out there yeah <laughs> or would have headed out there to go check it out yeah. It's it's an interesting team, I think, because there's just there's so much threat from all over. Um, it sort of takes down a lot of focus. Like I'm used to getting targeted a lot, and I know Sean is too. But like having Tim and Andy out there definitely pulls away some of that like attention to us, for sure. Yeah, it's like who do you want to pay attention to? Because somebody I still else get gonna... thrown at a whole bunch, but you know, nothing new. So yeah. That's gonna be a scary team to face off against someday. <laughs> uh, Hopefully soon. Yeah, I, I think I made the bet with uh, Bosch. It was gonna be late, later half of 2021. We'll see something. Hopefully, yep. I'm wrong. But uh, hopefully soon. Um, Chrissy Stevens asks why the bandana, and then Sydney comments, "Oh, I love this story." <laughs> So this one actually kind of ties in um, with Emmanuel's question. And yes, he is awesome. So I remember seeing a picture of Emmanuel playing at the um, that crazy tournament over in Germany with Outcast. Oh, yeah. And he was wearing one of those face masks. And I was like, whoa, that looks really cool. Trying to avoid any expletives there. Um, Appreciate it. Thanks. And you know. At first, it was sort of just like a, like, I think it looks cool. Um, And then the more I thought about it, the more useful it was. I mean, when you're talking to teammates, you don't have to hold the ball up to your face to, like, block your lips. Um, So you have a lot better awareness. And, I mean, over time, it just sort of kind of became a thing. Hmm. It's funny because, like, I know there's a couple players that come to mind that play with the mask on or van- bandana. And I think somebody even tagged you in a Facebook post yeah. saying you were, <laughs> you were built for this. Yeah. He got memed. Like you were prepared for this years ago. Sean memed me. Yeah. Well, of course that makes sense. That's what he does. I mean, I think there's also definitely like a psychological aspect of it from like across the court. And I've noticed like it's, it's a little fear inducing. I'd hope. 
Yeah, it could be a little menacing, I guess. Um, I think when you can't tell if that person's talking, it takes a little bit of attention off or on to that specific yeah. thing. And that that's most of it. It kind of I feel like it makes you a little bit more like unpredictable. Yeah. And it, it is also nice for stopping like the sting of no sting fish shots because I take a lot of fish shots. Hmm. I don't care about eight point five though. I love eight point five. <laughs> I remember I got just ever so gently touched with a no sting ball. Like I wasn't even playing. I was playing Clash of Clans in, in between a Sin City game. This freaking ball like bounced up and just barely touched my eye, and I like lost vision for like a minute. And I was like, "What the heck just hit me?" And it was a dinky little no sting ball, and I was like, "I've been hit in the face so many times with a rubber ball, and I've never felt oh, this yeah. pain or this fear that I like might lose my vision for a little bit." And it barely, it like had no velocity. Like it might as well have kissed me. It was like it was nothing. I was just <laughs> like, "What the heck just happened?" That was. I would take like ten eight point five headshots before I took one no sting headshot. I'll take you up on that. We'll have a surgery throw the no sting. Also the 8.5. I'm kidding. That's all, that's all good. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you don't have to take that many headshots ever, but <laughs> I guess that, yeah, it pretty much makes your stance known on what you'd rather uh, get hit with. <clears throat> so, yeah, we already covered Emmanuel. Um, he's awesome. Wasn't a question, um, but he validated that. So He's one of the most awesome people I've ever met through dodgeball, for sure. Yeah. I um just that whole Singapore group is amazing and Emmanuel is just I mean Austin is a great descriptor of him. I've never heard a single bad thing about him or Outcast. Um that's one of the tournaments I would love to go to if it still ever happens. And then I played Destiny with him once um when we first kicked off this podcast. I forgot why. And it was really <laughs> cool. And he he messaged me, he's like I was like, "Hey, Steve, just so you know, my 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 son was asking about you. He was he like looking at the TV, saying, Where's Steve?'" I was like, "Oh man, <laughs> that's adorable." But um, yeah, he seems like a really cool dude. <clears throat> um, Cedro Perez, uh, he stole my thunder, but he asked, "How much do you charge for a full bathroom remodel?" <laughs> and um, by the reactions, I feel like a lot of people are very curious. So, uh, I mean. It kind of depends on like what you're getting, but definitely like a couple grand for sure. Um, it sort of depends on like what towel you're getting, if you're getting like in floor heating, like what kind of shower you're doing. So there's a lot that goes into that. Hmm. But so, for labor, I mean, definitely between like two to four grand for a normal sh- like bathroom. So do you uh do you do this by yourself or do you have um So I work for a company uh Stoneman Construction and uh my boss actually made like a really big tile Facebook group um so we get like a lot of sponsorships and I mean my boss is one of the best tile setters nationally so it's been really good for me um I've gotten a lot more talented than I should be for like the amount of time I've been in tile Nice. Um, so that's been super valuable. That's one thing that always like catches my eye too. Is like, oh dang man, look at Brandon, look at this awesome bathroom. Just like, it's crazy. Like, I have no idea how you guys <clears throat> can just go in there and have this vision, and then all of a sudden it just you completely change a room. 
and it, it looks yeah i mean that's part of what i really enjoy with tile um it's sort of mixing like art and like practicality right yeah. like you're making like a space that someone's going to actually use but like every tile you work with is different every creative design you come up with is different so so do you come up with the yeah. designs also or does like it vary on the customer or? Uh, it kind of depends like some jobs we have designers that have kind of laid everything out some jobs like we do directly with homeowners where we kind of you know do our thing um we've done we do a lot of things that most people are like whoa you can do that you know right um, cool. yeah we're we were sort of the first people to do a lot of cool trends in like the tile industry so i don't know it's been a really good experience nice to follow on uh alfred Wu, alfred oh my gosh alfred Wu. <laughs> i don't know why i messed that up um he says legit curious what was the project that you are uh most proud of constructing i guess this can go beyond uh bathrooms that's a good question that's really hard actually um the backsplash that i most recently posted was probably the hardest one i've done um and a backsplash is basically like the walls of the kitchen right for anyone who doesn't know um but that backsplash that i just did was very challenging um it was really fun to do so a lot of like crazy cuts a lot of like really weird measurements and it went from the countertop all the way to the ceiling so it was a lot of work and i think just the way it turned out was really good have backsplashes always been a thing like so i have one in my kitchen but i didn't ask for like it, it came the house came this way I would have no idea what you're talking about. I just when somebody said, oh, nice backsplash. I was like, oh, clearly they're <laughs> talking about this tile that I take no credit for. Yeah. But is that is that something new or is that like... Um, like um, it's not new per se. I mean, they've become a lot more popular recently. Right. Um, I think years ago, sort of the trend was to just do like a four inch backsplash of like whatever countertop material that you had, which I think looks kind of dinky. Um, I've, I'm sure you've seen that where it's just like the countertop material and a big rectangle, like a couple yeah. inches up from the countertop all the way around. Um, of the day. I don't know. Backsplashes just add a lot of value to the house. And I mean, there's some practical application. Like if you have a backsplash right behind your stove, it's going to be easier to clean than like paint. Yeah, that makes sense. When you have like splatters from whatever you're cooking. So I don't cook. A lot of it, a lot of it's just how pretty they are. Yeah. I was gonna say like, I don't cook, but if I did, I could definitely see like having to scrub whatever I messed up from the backsplash easier than yeah. uh, paint. <laughs> but, um, no, it definitely adds really good aesthetic to it. And I was, I was like, it's funny because I was thinking about it the other day, probably because I saw your post and just kind of, I don't know, just mentally started sizing mine, mine up. And um, I was looking at, I guess, like the regular painting and I saw what the kitchen could have been without it. I was like, oh man, no, I'm glad the lady did that because this looks way better. Yeah. 
it, it almost always looks better unless it's like installed poorly. So well, now there's that. I was gonna send you a picture, but now I'm like, oh, I don't want to judge you my my backsplash. But I'll send you a picture later. <laughs> That's actually like my least favorite part about traveling. It's just seeing really <laughs> awful tile work everywhere. It's just like, like, oh god, uh, what is this garbage? I, I have a lot of friends who just like randomly send me pictures of like awful tile and i'm like stop <laughs> please nice i don't want to see it <laughs> now we know how to troll you <laughs> that, that is exactly how to troll me <laughs> that's cool that's, that's cool man you got like a a craft you can actually take a lot of pride in though um a lot of yeah. people and speaking for myself i couldn't do that in my life so, so that's neat um definitely noted though just in case you ever hit me in the face I'm like all right a week of bad tile it is coming right up. Um, Oof. <laughs> another good question from uh, Kyle Tomazoff. Um, I hope I didn't butcher his name. I had him on about two months ago. I was like, dude, I'm going to butcher your name. I'm sorry. So hopefully he's accepting of it. But he asked, what's your favorite brand of power tools? Milwaukee, for sure. Nice. Only because I... Uh, Makita is the second runner-up still have some huge tools but i mostly got milwaukee stuff now yeah i think black and decker milwaukee and um so, so black and decker is uh actually uh like dewalt that's what i was and, thinking uh, rigid and milwaukee are the same parent company so milwaukee's where it's at for sure asking for a friend that does not own any single power tools in their entire their life or entire adult life they're definitely nice i mean i have a tire pump that runs off of my power tool batteries like that's pretty cool nice well noted christmas is coming up so yep <laughs> well uh got a couple more questions and i think we'll wrap it up man um yeah. i think that's all for the crowdsource so thank you to those that are listening that were able to get us some questions in on such a, such quick notice, especially on a Sunday night. It was kind of weary, but um, glad we got through. Um, let's talk about the future a little bit. So let's pretend we had a regular conventional season um, just built off of last year. Um, where where mm -hmm. do you think dodgeball will go in the next two, three, five years from now? Mm. I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see how much like the talent continues to like creep because I mean, I th and I think it's been talked about before that like if you took any team from now and placed them against like the top teams from like 2011, 2010, like that difference is staggering. Um, I don't know. I'm really interested to see like how the game continues to evolve. I like, um, I make this comparison a lot and it's take like the 2005 NDL champions and put them mm -hmm. against like your lower tier, middle of the pack, lower ranking elite team. And it's going to be a slaughter. Like it's just going to be just disgusting. Um, yeah. that's cool to see. Um, or think about, um, I remember one time me and Brett Baxter were watching Chris Bell warm up and I, I think I made the comment to, to Brett. I was like, man, Chris Bell has come a long way. The guy's such a, such a monster. And I think, uh, in a wise beyond his years, prophetic way, <laughs> Brett's like, 
Uh, there's going to come a time, Steve, where Chris is like the norm. Like Chris is nothing special. Um, what's coming is going to be very scary. Something like those lines. And um, uh-huh. man, he's right. And if we think that now, like take Ketchum, take Eli, Hashimoto, take yourself, take Rise, take any of these players that are fantastic. Just imagine what we're going to see five to 10 years from now when um, they've been playing dodgeball since they were 12. I think uh, there's a another um, kid in the South that's like 12 right now that's playing. Probably shouldn't be, but he is, and that kid's <laughs> going to be a monster. Um, I think that's like going to be the cue for us old guys to, to step off and be like, all right, we're going to form our own like 40-plus league so we don't get murdered. But yeah, I think it's just interesting to kind of like watch like – just how the like skill set of every player has changed. I mean, just on average, the player quality now is so like high compared to what it was back then. Oh yeah, that's crazy. I like that people are like training to get better. Like they're going to the gym with the intent to get better at dodgeball. Like there was a time when that was just unheard of. Like you couldn't even get people to wear the same uniforms. Yeah, or maybe look into like wearing protective gear or conditioning and now it's like if you want to get better like you have to put in the work off the court you can't just show up and and have baseball or football experience and, and do well um so that's that's yeah. obviously contributed a lot to it do you um do you think dodgeball ever make it mainstream like we'll ever see it on espn or like an esport type format or do you think we'll ever see like a spectator friendly production of dodgeball i mean i think so um Everyone I've ever shown video to has always been super interested in it. Like, people are like, what? That's a thing? Um, You know, I think there's probably got to be some format changes to make it viewable and make it easier to follow, for sure. But I don't think it's, like, that far out of the realm of being, like, a spectator sport. Yeah. I wonder what that's going to be, though. I know... um... I kind of jokingly teased like clips on TikTok, maybe just to show people because everybody's got like a shorter and shorter attention span. And so if you show a highlight of somebody got for getting lit up or really awesome dodge or really awesome catch, and you put that crap on TikTok, that's where all the, the youths are are watching. Yeah. So maybe that kind of plants a seed like, Oh, I, I know that this guy plays for this team in Sacramento or Portland or Texas or whatever. Um, maybe I'll go follow them now and you start to build that following that way because um, yeah, unless you said, unless you have like a format change where you actually have time to follow a team and, and establish like a, not a reputation, but establish like, I want to watch this guy cause he's been lining people up for the past 20 minutes. It's kind of hard. Like with the elite format, you know, matches are, yeah, they can be 20 seconds long to five minutes to seven, but you really don't know who to root for or why. Like you don't really understand like, why do I care about this guy versus the other one? Why do I care about this team versus the other team? Something like that might, might help down the road. Yeah. I mean, the other thing, I think it's kind of like esports. like a couple of years ago, everyone was like, there's no way esports are going to be like this big mainstream thing. And now there's a lot of, like professional video game players making like millions of dollars a year just in salary, not oh, yeah. even counting like sponsorships. Yeah. That's, like, that's crazy. So, I mean, I think something could totally happen. I think so. I think dodgeball is just fast paced enough that it could appeal to that crowd. Um, 
and it's so easy to get into. Like, it's not like you have to train right now for, for years on end, coming from a great high school to a great college to professional level. Like you could still, for the most part, come off the streets, put some time in, get some conditioning in, and you could be pretty good pretty fast. So yeah. I think that has a lot of appeal. Whereas like esports, same thing, like just have a PC, Xbox, PS4, whatever, PS5, and, and you're at least able to get started. So, yeah. Um, let's go to a couple more with you specifically. What, uh, what has been your career highlight so far? <clears throat> I mean, I think winning the NDI, like the, um, the no sting portion was a pretty good highlight so far. I mean, first time out with Rise getting some money was definitely pretty nice. <laughs> I would say that's a good debut. Yeah, it's a pretty solid. I think, I mean, we got first and second, so that's a pretty good first outing, I would say. I feel like the, the pressure was on. Like, you guys kind of had no choice. Like, you had to place, and you obviously wanted to take first. So, otherwise, because yeah. all the hype around that, just, just even months before it was official, people knew or were aware of it, so... There is definitely pressure there, like yeah. for sure. I mean, and I mean, it's not like we weren't without any struggles. Like the round robin matches were a little rough, just trying to figure out like who goes where, how things click best. Um, it took some getting used to, but we came through. I mean, can't really ask for a whole lot better. Else, that's pretty pretty good debut. <laughs> um, what do you want to achieve in dodgeball? Like I um, said, you want to be the best at, at it or really good at it. So what was that equal for you? I mean, I've always, so like I've always trained to be the best player I could personally be. And I mean, that's kind of driven like my evolution as a player. Like I always kind of look at like my own like personal skill set as like a stat sheet. Or like an RPG or something, right? So like if I kind of like objectively evaluate myself, like what am I worst at? And then I take whatever that is, like maybe it's catching. And I go out and I really focus on that for like a week of playing. And then at the end of that week I kind of like go back and I reevaluate. I'm like, okay, catching's pretty good now. Um, but maybe I'm not quite as like evasive as I want to be. And then I kind of go and work on that. So I'm always trying to bump up every little thing as much as I can. That's awesome. Do you picture like, like power bars? I mean, kind of, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's kind of led me down a lot of like, um, interesting, like things for like, like catching, um, mechanics, but also just what kind of like mindset you want to go into for catching. And I try to like spread that information along because I like helping other people get better too. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I remember you were initially known for catching before somehow you're throwing heat from what I can remember. <laughs> so I was like, Oh yeah, he can catch really well. So be very careful around him. And then now it's throwing and catching. So it's like, oh, okay, cool. He's evolved. Fantastic. Yeah, the, the catching thing was interesting. It actually was just something that sort of like clicked one day. I was thinking about it like, you know how sometimes you just go on like a random like catching spree and you feel like a god? Yeah, I mean, I've I've had 
it's more reactive than I could tell you why it happened. Um, right. So I was thinking about that. And I was like, why does that happen? Like sometimes, like what's going on there? And I kind of thought about it and I figured out that it's not, it's your body kind of like preemptively predicting what's going to happen and putting itself like you can watch it on video. Like you'll see your hands going to where the ball's going to be before it actually comes in. And once I changed that mindset to like predict instead of react, that made a huge change in my catching. Hmm. And it's worked for everyone that I've told to try to do that. Like, I think that's one of the bigger like undertold things in dodgeball is watch players and kind of like learn the signs that they're going to do things. And you can actually start to predict what everyone's going to be doing on the court before they actually do it. And it's super valuable. Hmm. You ever study uh, martial arts? Uh, a little bit. I did judo, um, some kickboxing. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe this might be an offline discussion because I'm going to sound like a whack job or, you know, I will be the <laughs> person that knows what I'm talking about, but, um, you can't touch on something like of intent. Um, like you can sense sometimes what someone's going to do. Like you just get that, that, I don't know what do you call it. Like just that gut feeling that I'm pretty it's like sure. It's like a this, read. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a read. Like I'm pretty sure this guy's going to no look me right now. I just, I, I just feel I don't know what it is. I, maybe I've seen this a million times or I'm looking at his feet. Yeah. Everything subconsciously is telling me this guy's going to throw at me. And so I'm watching him, but I'm not, I'm going to throw this ball and then boom, I'm going to turn and I'm going to place my body in my hands to get that counter catch. And sometimes it's like just so yeah. perfect. You're like, how the heck did I know that? Cause he was looking at me, but I just had that feeling. Um, it's kind of like, you know, in martial arts, when you're sparring with somebody, you can feel, their weight shift or you can kind of see their, their telegraphing. Like if a guy's, you know, jumping up and down on his feet, but all of a sudden he stops, you know, a kick's coming at some point. Um, yeah. So that's interesting. No. And, and once you start really thinking about doing that, instead of just letting your body do it, um, you'll notice a big improvement just in every part of your game. Like being able to know what someone's probably going to do before they do it is super valuable. You can force them into a bad situation. Hmm. So, yeah. Well, I can't wait to play dodgeball tomorrow to find out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> going to listen to this once, uh, once dodgeball happens again, but, um, I'm thinking yeah, like, and that, that whole thing is actually, I made like the dodgeball improvement group on Facebook and I know it's oh, been like, kind of inactive just because there hasn't really been any dodgeball, but that's like a really good forum for, you know, if anyone has questions regarding how to improve specific parts of your game. Like that's a good place to look. I think like once you let go of the fact that, okay, I'm just going to make myself vulnerable and ask for help. That probably opens up unlimited opportunity to get better. If you're willing to just accept it as constructive criticism, yeah. just admit that you might need help. Um, yeah, I definitely need to bring that back once, once we're playing again. And um, it's funny cause like I, I was thinking about like all the times like I'll catch, I'll go on a catching spree. It's because I'm not thinking. Right. So I'll catch and I'll just like let my body do what it's going to do. And I'll just like feel what's happening next. And then mm-hmm. somebody will throw this floater from cross court and I'm like, oh, here it is. And then I just drop him like, <laughs> I had too much time to think about this. Or, you know, that's when you just, 
like I for me it just I can't think which sucks because I I love to think so that's why I like dodgeball because most of the time I'm mindless which is either really good for me or really bad because I it's hard to incorporate strategy but um should I take the court again at some point I'll, I'll try to think about that just try to picture where the ball is going to go and put my hands there um yeah I mean that's exactly how I was like kind of mindless and as soon as I started thinking about that it really changed the way I played interesting for sure and you'll start going on those catching sprees while thinking about it and then you're like oh this is kind of scary it's like I'm doing this <laughs> on purpose now <laughs> yep well one day we'll have to see um last question I have is uh what is life like after dodgeball have you thought about that yet I mean probably still be doing tile <laughs> probably still playing video games I mean probably a little more golf um I don't really know where dodgeball ends though that's that's sort of the thing right I mean you see a lot of really good players still like way up there in the years and you're like well guess I'm not ready to throw it in yet I mean that's so when I went up there in 2013 I was 30 I was going to turn 30 I was like I'm getting way too old for this I need to probably stop <laughs> and then again I saw I know now I didn't know who he was at the time but I, I saw Alan's dad I was like dude this guy's still still getting after it like I mean he's still going now he's still going now so like him um especially him Dave Benedetto uh Jimmy yeah. Masters they, they buy me more time I'm like if they're still going I can still go yeah and then um I, I tease about this like silver, you know, senior league, but I mean, I, I can't, I can't picture myself stopping. Like even let's say I'm not competing anymore. Um, rec level, like still got to do it. Um, yeah, so I, for I, sure. I, I mean, it's really good exercise. Like, yeah, you, as well. you can't get any, I don't know where you can get better cardio. Um, I don't think anywhere that doesn't feel like it. Like you're just having fun. Like I, I used to wear my Fitbit while playing, and I know it's not like super accurate, but you know, things shows like eight upwards of eight to a thousand calories. Now it could be like, oh, yeah. it could be like something completely made up. Like, um, I don't know, Watts for all I care, but it just shows that difference in incremental metrics, I guess. So clearly something's happening. Like I'm getting some kind of workout for sure. So, I mean, I remember my first tournament, like I felt like I got hit by a truck and like it was way worse than after any football game. Like, it's the best feeling. I was like, what just happened to me? <laughs> it's like the, the best and the worst feeling where I just like, I wake up and I'm just like, everything is sore. Everything hurts. <laughs> I feel like I just turned 80 last night and hurts to laugh, hurts to drive. But man, I got some, I got some exercise last night or this yep. weekend. It's a, it's a hate love relationship with that. Yep. Cool, man. Well, I uh, completely spaced between trying to fix the audio issue and trying to do live stream again with video with Justin Bosch. So I did not even think to reach out to Austin Deeks, man. If you're listening, I'm so sorry, but um, I went ahead and pulled up a dad joke on my own. So it's probably not gonna be as good, but um, kind of briefly talked about this earlier. So um, joke goes, I don't trust stairs. They're always up to something. Oof. I chose that one because of the ghost supposedly pushing you down the stairs. Uh, 
which that's what I want <laughs> to end a, on. That's a good one. Yeah. You know, I don't always tell dad jokes, but uh, when I do, he laughs. <laughs> nice. Double whammy with the dad jokes. Uh, that's good. <laughs> I feel like you prepared for that one. I mean, there's some research maybe. Excellent. Well, man, uh, it's been a good time. Um, I'm glad you reached out. And I mean, I don't know what you thought it took to get on here. Uh, most of the time it's as simple as just timing and asking. And, um, you know, I spent a lot of time on other regions, as I said, so it's kind of cool to spend some more time in the Pacific Northwest, but also really cool catching up, um, brought back a lot of memories. Um, Gumby, man, I can't, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I can't tell you how happy that made me talking about that again and reminiscing, but, uh, Appreciate you being out here, man. And I think what we'll do is we'll go ahead and end the interview there. All right. So that was my interview with Brandon Cook. And Brandon, thank you so much, man, for for hopping on and and uh, just kind of reminiscing the good old days of when I was uh, playing dodgeball with you guys in Oregon. Um, I forgot how much fun I had. And um, I know I didn't forget anybody in particular. Um, the names and memories are definitely there. And it was, it was nice kind of just rehashing that a little bit with you. Um, also really appreciate you um, reaching out and just seeing how to get on the dodgeball podcast. Um, clearly it's not that difficult. Um, I, I do have my list of individuals that I want to talk to and, um, there's no doubt in my mind that I will get to them in due time. But if you have a story that you'd like to tell, or if you'd like to just be a guest on the podcast in any formats or medium, let me know. Um, this season is for the most part being wrapped up with the, uh, 2020 hypothetical fictitious just for fun tournament recaps to include one final interview with uh with tina uh in the coming week but after that um definitely gonna be looking at what next season looks like and getting those interviews lined up in advance and uh we'll just go from there so if you're interested let me know um to everybody else that listened thanks for doing so as always thank you so much for submitting questions have a great rest of your evening a great rest of your week a great weekend and we'll see you next time We gotta find some video of Gumby. We do, man. Um, <laughs> Gumby, <dude. laughs> that was great. I, uh, I keep trying to think of some way to like describe him, but like I don't think anything but video does it justice, man. You just again, you have to experience Gumby to truly understand Gumby. And uh, I mean, it's even better if it's in person, but like, yeah, video is like the next best thing. It's it's as close as it's gonna get. Yeah, I remember um, playing against him. It was so funny because uh, Kevin came up to me when I first showed up for the first night. And he starts smiling, <laughs> big old f-ing grin on his face, like oh, he, he wants to kill me. It's like, what's up, Kevin? He's like, dude, Steve, no one knows who you are. This is gonna be so fun to watch because people are gonna <laughs> take me lightly. And you guys did for like I think maybe like the first hour. You guys finally caught on. They're like, okay, this guy has obviously played dodgeball before. Yeah. I remember Gumby for some reason just kept going after me like nonstop and no matter what he did, it was never good enough. And I remember one time <clears throat> I think I was going after might've been you or might've been Kevin. Cause I, I saw you Ashley and uh, James as the biggest threats, but I remember Gumby specifically was trying to get me mid throw. So I was like in the air and I threw a ball and he threw at me and I caught it with one hand and he just stared at me. He just like stopped moving yep. and he just stared at me with like this jaw drop. Like who the, 
are you, dude? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'll never forget that, man. Just because some like scratch looking kid in jeans who plays really well in a very weird drunken way, like you said. Um, God, yeah. Was I mean, man. I was dying. He was one of my favorite people to ever play against. Yeah. Like, for sure. And I don't know. It's it, there's just no words, like you kind of have to see it to understand it. I think. But, I just I just remember Gumby like running up to the line and like Kevin and stuffing his ball between his knees and like doing the like the moose antlers on his head and like oh dude I'm <laughs> like dude <laughs> and Kevin just blasts him and just <laughs> falls over on the ground dying laughing i'm like this is dodgeball this is dodgeball man this is, <laughs> this is dodgeball and corvallis on a friday night i think this, yep. this is dodgeball man i forgot Always about the, the moose oh, i completely forgot about that i'm gonna somehow work this in it's gonna be like an extended blooper of just five minutes of gumby 